This is Counsel for Life, a podcast engaging conversations about mental health and the Christian life with licensed biblical counselors Beth Broom and Eliza Huey. Welcome, everyone, to Counsel for Life. My name is Beth. And I'm Eliza. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you've been enjoying the various guests that we've had on our podcast and the various topics we've been covering. Uh, we've had some great guests, and it's we been have. so fun. Yes. Oh, my I'm, goodness. I have just loved getting to know people and the ways that they bring such expertise. Oh, my goodness. It's been, it's been great. If you, haven't, if you haven't heard any of those, go back and listen to them for sure. Yeah, it's been really interesting how we've, you know, a, f- a few of them, It's we want to sort of talk about your book or, you know, things that you're working on, but then we end up with these nuggets of incredible mm-hmm. wisdom that are just, so, you know, when you when you see an interview with Jonathan Holmes or interview with Darby Strickland or interview with Champ Thornton, like, recognize that you're going to get so much from that. So mm-hmm. you're going to get to know a person as well as a work. So it's really fun. So go back and listen to those episodes. We hope you will enjoy them. And uh, one of the things that we wanted to let you guys know is that we today are starting a series. And it, is, it will be a five-week series. There'll be five episodes, including today's episode, mm-hmm. about the process and possibilities in the biblical counseling world. So we get questions all the time about what is biblical counseling? How can I get trained? What are the advantages of certain programs over other programs? What are my options if I want to be trained? Whether I want to be trained vocationally, like become a counselor for a living, or whether I want to serve my church and and, and do it as a volunteer, a lay minister, how do I get trained and what it what are some of the good routes to go and there are a lot of options so we are doing this series for you so that you can have a better understanding of of kind of what's out there and so today we'll start by just talking kind of about our journey uh, into biblical counseling and just want you guys to know we kind of did that already a little bit with episode three back last summer we talked about what is biblical counseling but today we're going to go into a little bit more detail about the process that Eliza and I have have been in as we have prepared to become vocational counselors and and then you you will get to hear four episodes from four different people that we're going to interview in the biblical counseling world. So you'll get to hear in the next few weeks from Curtis Solomon, who is the director of the Biblical Counseling Coalition, and he'll share about that, that organization and about his journey. And you'll hear from Christine Chapel as well, who works with IBCD, which is another organization. You'll get to hear from Alistair Groves from CCEF, which is a wonderful organization that we love. And you'll also get to hear from Sean Van Dyke, who is the director at the Association of Biblical Counselors. So there's a lot of things out there. We call it the alphabet soup of of the biblical counseling world, but we want to give you those tools and help you understand what some of your choices might be as you seek training, regardless of the path that you're going to take. One of the things we advocate for in the churches where we work and in the every setting that we're in is no matter what you plan to do, you will be a minister of the gospel. We are all ministers of reconciliation. And if you are faithfully walking with the Lord, He will be bringing people your way to disciple and care for and walk with through suffering. And we are meant to bear one another's burdens, as Galatians 6.2 tells us. So we, we're no one's exempt from this work. And so regardless of what path you're taking, it will be so helpful for you to have people come around you and give you wise counsel in how to love and care for others. So these are just a bunch of options that we're 
we're going to give you over the next several weeks. So we're really excited about this series. It's going to be so wonderful, and we really hope that you'll tune in for every episode. And again, even if you're not thinking you want to do this vocationally, we just encourage you to listen because you're going to, again, hear nuggets of wisdom and encouragement from these interview guests, and you'll also hear just what some options are for you to receive training and care along the way. So I want to kick it over to you, Eliza. I would love for you to share with our listeners just what are some what are some pathways that you took into biblical counseling and and kind of how did you end up where you are today? I think that would be a really helpful thing for our listeners to hear. Yeah, and like Beth mentioned, if you are kind of going like what are what are, what are you guys talking about? Like what do you mean when you say biblical counseling? Definitely go back and listen to episode 3 um as well as um just the episode that we just introduce ourselves, like who we are because we do talk a little bit more about that in there. So but yeah, just in light of this series, one of the things that is unique about both Beth and myself is that we are biblical counselors but we're both licensed counselors, which means we hold a license or I think in both of our cases, multiple licenses in in states at the clinical level. So we have been recognized by the state to have have completed what is necessary to receive a, a clinical license in counseling. And so that's different than maybe a lot of you who are listening, who are who are just kind of interested in biblical counseling. And I just want to share, I think we're both kind of going to talk a little bit about why that route, because it is not for everybody. And you're going to get some great direction on how to get training in biblical counseling. So I thought I'd just maybe share a little bit about why licensed counseling. And for me, as I have already shared, my journey started with CCEF, which we will we will be sharing more about that organization in this series, started just taking classes for my own personal enrichment. And as I share about that, you know, you'll you'll be able to hear more about that later, but that was life-changing for me personally. It had nothing to do with like a dream that I had, you know, I want to one day be a counselor. That was never in my story. And so I started with that and kind of went backwards, went through certificate training, or I don't even know, maybe it's, it's not necessarily backwards, but this was the route I took. I went through certificates, got certificate training. Then I got my master's in counseling. And that's really where um, my story starts to get maybe a little bit different is I went through a master's program and, you know, we could do a whole whole different series on the different academic programs out there that you could get, uh, that you could participate in. But um, I chose a master's program that would, if I wanted, set me up to be able to pursue licensure. When I entered into that program, I had no desire and really not a lot of interest um, as far as what that might mean, but I was encouraged and I think it was good advice to at least have that door open if at the end of my degree, that would be something I would want to do. So I chose a seminary that, that aligned with the requirements for licensure. And so I went through that program at the time. It was called Biblical Seminary. Now I believe it's called Missio. It's in Pennsylvania. And it was a great, great program. Allowed me to study the Bible and study counseling and the different models and modalities that are um, common in the, in the clinical counseling world as well. And so that was kind of my journey thinking, like I said, no intention to be fully licensed and you know, but always kind of thinking like, okay, if that's an option, that's an option. And so um, one of the things that is important to know, if you are potentially considering a direction where you might get a license is uh, there's a fairly hefty exam 
that you have to take as as go, entering into the licensing process. Um, I don't know if you, you, I'm sure you remember that exam, Beth. I'm sure. Oh, yes. Definitely remember that. <laughs> yes. It's like four and a half hours of basically, you know, anxiety for that to take that exam. And so what I thought was, as soon as I graduated, I thought, well, if I have to take that that exam in order to go through the licensing process. I'm going to take it right now when I'm fresh out of seminary. All this stuff is in, you know, still in my mind. And so I went ahead and t- took the exam to kind of get that, you know, done, checked that box. But it was in that time, kind of like nearing graduation and even after graduation, right in that season where I was working as the executive director for Life Counseling Center in Maryland. And I was overseeing counseling of about 10 counselors there. Very, uh, It was a very thriving counseling ministry. And what we started to see, and this is where I, I want to like encourage our listeners to kind of think about is what is your role and what do you need? And that's really what I had to ask myself in my own journey is, is what is my role that God has placed me in and what do I need to, to do that well? And one of the things that I realized was supervising these counselors, I I needed to bring some sense of um, experience to areas that they, in their training, have had none. Um, and, and most of the time, so our counselors were, were mainly uh, masters in biblical counseling or, or certificates from the various organizations that cert, uh, give certificates. And what they didn't have was that clinical experience. And so I realized, and this was in talking with mentors and even my own supervisor, just thinking through, like I could offer, I could help other biblical counselors grow and understand some of the things that they were being faced with and help them answer some of the questions they were being asked, not just from a theoretical standpoint, but from a very practical standpoint of having been there. And so I went ahead and um, continued that process and thinking with the with the goal of thinking like this could actually help other people who are inside the biblical counseling world um, grow and understand certain things that maybe they would miss out on. And so I did my, uh, I did my, my residency or uh, practicum, whatever your your degree ends up calling it, at a, a psychiatric hospital, um, and was able to really get firsthand experience and a firsthand understanding of of some of the way, some of those more mystical things that we might be like, oh, what happens when this, you know, what happens when people go into an inpatient setting or what, you know, it was able to, I was able to really bring that experience to um, to my to my biblical counselors that I was that I was training, that I was walking with. And so it was really for others that really it, it motivated me for those inside of biblical counseling, the biblical counseling world, but also it was also for those outside of biblical counseling, those who, who maybe are in the clinical world. And I want to frame my words graciously here that can look at people with a biblical counseling certificate and maybe not really see that as, as credible, but, but, part of that can come from not really understanding like what a biblical counselor is doing and what is their their um, field of ministry and care. But so I wanted to actually, if at all possible, and I, I don't know if this has even been accomplished, but I wanted to help those outside of the biblical counseling world see that those inside the biblical counseling world are doing good work just like they are and are 
are doing it with expertise and um, and if they don't personally have it, have others who are helping them walk through those difficult situations as well. But then finally, the, the last reason, so for others inside, for others outside of the biblical counseling world, but I also ended up realizing like I was doing this for me as well, for me to be able to, um, to actually be able to grow in my experience, because in, um, in the clinical counseling world, there are some tables you are not invited to unless you have a license. And so I think both you and I, Beth, have various, um, certificates and credentials that are in specific areas. I think both of us are in trauma mostly, but in various areas, I have one in in group therapy and then one in trauma therapy that to get that kind of training, I had to be licensed. And that's just the way it is. Now they're starting to open it up to some um, varying types of like equivalency type um, circumstances, if you have an equivalent to that, but there's a lot of training that I would have missed out on. And um, it has shaped me and grown me as a counselor obviously with great discernment, um, having to go into those things with great discernment. And, and what I would say is it now that it's all kind of said and done on this side of the license, um, I'm not a convert. I haven't converted to clinical counseling. That's, that's something that I carry, but I call myself and I identify with, and I align myself with biblical counseling, but I bring this experience and expertise. So that's a little bit about my story of kind of the why and, and the reasoning behind going that route. So yeah, Beth, why don't, why don't you kind of Mm. jump in? I've talked a little bit here. So what do you think? Yeah, that's great. It's actually interesting how similar our stories are. Actually, it's not interesting anymore. We, 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 we keep finding this to be true that our stories uh, align in so many interesting ways, but yeah. And and just so our listeners know, like, this is the first time we're sharing it with each other. Too. Oh yeah, we did. We yeah, this is this new information for us as well. So I, uh, man, I, I think I shared back in probably our first episode, and then again in episode three, that my journey into counseling really began as a result of some trauma that I experienced, and then the desire grew in me pretty quickly uh, through various circumstances to be able to walk alongside others in a way that I did not receive. Uh, and, uh, so that's kind of, it's out of a lack, honestly, where I thought, oh gosh, I want to learn to do this because it's so needed. But I will say that, um, you know, people ask me a lot. I'm, I'm on staff at our church. So I get conversations often with people about, I'm thinking about this counseling thing. What do you think? And what I will, what I like to say is that I know for me, it's, it was not a, it was not a quick journey. <laughs> I I took 20 years to get to vocational ministry. Felt called to vocational ministry when I was 17. 20 years later, I entered uh, vocational ministry. So it, it was not a quick process for me. I actually went back to school to get my master's in counseling at age 33, I believe. And I was teaching school at the time and just doing classes when I had the space and in the summertime and whatnot. I actually chose, I, I had done uh, like a lay counseling certificate uh, in my 20s. And then I, you know, reading everything I get my hands on, but it just, it was an insatiable thirst. And I think probably you, some of our listeners understand what I'm talking about. It's like every time I read something, 
about how to care for others and their suffering. I just felt like I was a sponge. I wanted to learn everything that I could. And finally, my husband was like, you just need to go to school. (laughs) Just go back to school. So when I was 33, I started a master's program, and I actually chose a Christian university rather than a seminary. And uh, and I chose that because, honestly, cost-wise, there were fewer classes that I would need to take than a seminary route. And so I chose that. And I chose a Christian university because I wanted to get uh, theological truth to go alongside the the program that I was doing. And I actually began not in the counseling department, but in a degree called human services, because I thought, oh, I don't ever want to be in clinical practice, so I'll just learn. I'm just here to learn. But my husband was the one who convinced me to just go ahead and switch over to counseling, because those were all the classes I wanted to take. And I'm the same as you, Eliza. I you know went that track with no intention whatsoever to actually become licensed. Uh, but again, every every time there was an opportunity to do more, to learn more, to grow, I wanted to take it. And so for me, the the benefit, I'm like you, the the benefit to self, honestly, and my own growth in the Lord and my own growth just as a, a member of a church and a fellow disciple with other believers was was this process of um, being able to to actually practice. So the. the the licensure option, and this is true in all states, but I'm in Texas, and in Texas, after you graduate with your master's degree, you have to you have to take this huge test, and then you get a provisional license, and in that period of time, you have to be supervised by a licensed supervisor, and you have to do 3,000 hours of clinical training, and it's 1,500 face-to-face hours with clients and 1,500 of of what we call indirect hours, which is like note-taking and learning and professional development. And so I had no intention of doing that. I did not want to spend the time on that, but uh, lo and behold, it came my across my path, the opportunity to, to be supervised by someone that I highly respected and um, was loved the Lord and was a biblical counselor, but also uh, clinically trained. And so I just said, yeah, I'm going to just do it. Even if it takes me a really long time, I'm going to try to do it. And I loved every minute of it. Being able to to experience that supervision component was really the reason that I t- took that step forward. I wanted to learn from somebody who did this really well and who could coach me along the way, which you don't really get a ton of in grad school. So even though there was a practicum component that I had in grad school, it wasn't uh, closely monitored or watched. It, I actually was also, I also did my practicum at a psychiatric hospital, um, but but my supervisor from school, my 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 grad supervisor was not with me. It was somebody different that supervised that experience. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I just I wanted to have that training, the, the sort of on the job training, the the on the ground. How is this? How does this work in real life? So I really really enjoyed that. I enjoyed it very much. And I was working at a church at the time, and again had no intention to to pursue clinical private practice or anything like that. I thought, oh, I just want to use this for my church job. And it, it, it has been useful in my church job because I think, like you said, Eliza, a lot of people, uh, when they see those three little letters after your name, LPC, then there's an automatic in the world, uh, in the secular world, there's a little bit more of an automatic expectation that I I know what I'm talking about and that I've, I've done my homework, so to speak. So that's been helpful as a church minister to be able to talk with doctors and other counselors and, and inpatient facilities and things like that to just be able to have those conversations conversations and and be able to sort of keep up with what they're talking about clinically. So that's been really, really helpful. And I'm 
I'm like you, Eliza. I don't, I mean, I'm a biblical counselor through and through. My my allegiance is to Jesus Christ. And I I do not bear allegiance to the state of Texas or my license at all. Um, and I don't know if I'll always keep a license based on the ethical standards, if those change to such a degree that it seems like I can't uh, reconcile my my faith and practice with my counseling practice, then I will gladly let go of that license. But I am, for now, anyway, it gives me the opportunity. It gives me more opportunities, just like you said, to be able to to walk alongside people. And, and I, when I started clinical practice, I wasn't sure I was going to like it. And I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love being able to, to meet one-on-one with people and walk alongside them and watch the Lord do miraculous things in their lives. And so... Um, it's a it's a beautiful thing. And I will just say really fast, because this is the question that I get the most often from people who are trying to think about licensure. And they say things like, well, how can you do Christian counseling uh, if you're licensed by the state? Well, don't they keep you from being able to do biblical counseling? And the answer is no, at least mm-hmm. not in Texas. The answer is no. As long as I advertise myself correctly <laughs> and I let people know in advance, this is the kind of counseling that I do. And that is on the up and up. That's the ethical standard is that you have to be honest about what you offer and what your expertise is in. And I'm an expert in not just counseling, but I, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say I'm an expert in the Bible, but like, uh, I'm, I'm, I definitely know the Lord Jesus and he's going to be in every session that we, that I, that I have. And so that's, that's just something that we have to let people know that that's, that's what we do. And so, yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up because that is a question that people ask a lot. And I think it just comes from just a confusion of what, what, um, you know, like you said, what the ethical standards are and what it looks like to what, what we call in the clinical world to have informed consent. And I think actually biblical counselors are becoming more and more aware of how valuable that is just to say like, Hey, this is what we offer kind of a thing. And so, yeah. And it is a blessing. I can tell you, you know, after doing a practicum in a secular setting, what a blessing it is to be able to in, in every session, be able to connect the gospel to the change that is needed in people's lives and to, to connect them to that hope because of Jesus. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. I, I'm so glad you also shared about like the, the license we hold loosely, you know, it's, it's something that we have, but it's not like our, our gold star by any means. So um, that that's important that people understand and hear that. And one of the things that you mentioned was, um, just of the practicum. And I do think that that is one thing that that some of the biblical counseling trainings are starting to implement, but they did not have when I was going through certificate trainings. Uh, practicum is so helpful to actually have like in that time of of doing, whether it's a residency or whatever it is to, to actually get in the counseling room. And I don't know if you, I'm pretty sure you probably did too, because you, you're licensed in one of the same states. So they have the same requirements, but um you have to, with those 3000 hours that we had to get, you had to actually transcribe some of those or record some of them or be, you're, you're supervised by them. And as we close this time today, I am sure, I, I haven't heard your story or anything, but I am sure within there, I know for me, there was moments, many moments of humanity in that time when you had to be supervised and you were still pretty green. And I remember specifically a time when we had to transcribe, we had to record our session, but then we had to transcribe it. And I I remember thinking, why do we have to transcribe it? You can watch it and you can see everything we said. But the, (laughs) the lesson really was, and I got the lesson, loud and clear, which was as I'm transcribing, how many times I said, um, and like, <laughs> like, so, um, like, 
<laughs> trying to fill the space while I was trying to think of what to ask the person. And so writing all of those down in my tra- as I was transcribing was very humbling. And so I don't know, Beth, do you have a moment of humanity that you can share with uh, with our listeners that maybe and, is related to that? Yeah, I actually, so one of the things that I had to do in grad school was record a video of myself doing counseling with someone. And there was there weren't a ton of parameters on, I had to do, I think it was four sessions with somebody with the same person four times. And you just, you just videoed it, you know? And so I did that at my house. Obviously, I didn't have an office where I could perform counseling. So, um, so I just had it set up in my living room and I mean, I felt pretty good about what we did and I felt like I did okay with this person. She seemed to be helped and encouraged by our time together. So I turned in all my videos and then, um, one of the notes that my professor sent back to me, she said, she said to me, are you barefoot? What are you do? Are, are you barefoot? Were you barefoot in your, in your, counseling sessions oh no and I realized yeah it was because I'm at my house who wears shoes at their house well my husband wears his shoes in the house and it drives me nuts I'm like you're at home relax take your shoes off so I didn't even think about it I was shoeless in all four of the sessions and that was one of her notes for me now I didn't get points docked but she was like you are a professional you need to wear shoes whenever you're counseling well here's what's really funny now in my counseling practice I have a home office I have multiple a a couple offices where I work but um but I have a home office now and some of my clients actually come to my home office and guess what (laughs) I'm never wearing shoes as a counselor I ask them first if that's okay with them and they always say yes they actually usually say can I take mine off too (laughs) so we've learned that being shoeless actually can be a really helpful and therapeutic thing but uh in grad school it was a no-no for sure (laughs) How times have changed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's all perspective, right? Like what's professional for one one professor, another professor probably wouldn't have cared at all about. So it's a little bit subjective in that way. But anyway, we uh, we hope this has been encouraging for you today to just kind of hear our perspective and our journeys into biblical counseling. And again, you are going to want to tune in for every episode these next four weeks. We are so excited about these guests that we're going to get to have. They're very knowledgeable, very wise. They love Jesus, and they're going to be able to share about organizations where you can get involved, but also just what what is the goodness of journeying into the ideas and the concepts of biblical counseling, regardless of whether you want to do it for a living. So we're super excited about this series. We hope you'll join us every single week, and uh, we will see you next time. Have a good day. Thanks for listening to Counsel for Life with Beth Broom and Eliza Huey. If you've been enjoying the podcast, please be sure to rate, share, and subscribe. And for more information, visit counselforlifepodcast.com.